Welcome, I'm the Progressive Michigander, here to bring you something big, something new, and something Michigan. Our something big this week is Bernie suspending his presidential primary bid, and what that means for progressives deciding how to vote in November. Our something new is the impactful, if slightly deceptive, political ad put out by Donald Trump against Joe Biden in the initial salvo of this general election. Finally, our something Michigan will be another story about Gretchen Whitmer. I swear that we'll get to some stories about the state house and the state legislature soon. But in this case, it's clearly a story, a good story, of how Gretchen Whitmer is doing something good. Maybe not for entirely altruistic motives, uh, but it's a story of how she's trying to make voting easier for us during this pandemic and make our democracy better. Alright. So in the wake of the Wisconsin primary... Bernie Sanders decided to suspend his presidential campaign this Wednesday. Bernie says he still wants to have as much leverage as possible regarding the convention platform, and he asks that everyone who can still vote for him by mail in the upcoming states. I think that the platform is fundamentally meaningless. There's nothing obligating Biden to follow it, uh, but there's not much of an opportunity cost. Everyone else has dropped out too. So I think you might as well vote for Sanders, and you need to vote anyway, because there are always important local races on the ballot. Uh, or maybe ballot proposals, or a school um, school funding measure or something, uh, depending on your district, obviously. Alright, so Bernie held a virtual press conference to announce this news, uh, and after that his campaign dropped this video adaptation of the press conference, so here that video is. As you all know, we have never been just a campaign. We are a grassroots, multiracial, multi-generational movement, which has always believed that real change never comes from the top on down, but always from the bottom on up. We have taken on the greed of the entire corporate elite. That struggle continues. While this campaign is coming to an end, our movement is not. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. reminded us that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. As I hope all of you know, this race has never been about me. I ran for the presidency because I believe that as a president, I could accelerate and institutionalize the progressive changes that we are all building together. And if we keep organizing and fighting, I have no doubt but that that is exactly what will happen. We often hear about the beauty of America, and this country is incredibly beautiful. But to me, the beauty I will remember most is in the faces of the people we have met from one corner of this nation to the other. The compassion, love, and decency I have seen in them makes me so hopeful for our future. It also makes me more determined than ever to work to create a nation that reflects those values and lifts up all of our people. Please stay in this fight with me 
Let us go forward together. The struggle continues. All right, I don't have the heart to analyze this video or complain too much about it. It's a fairly moving video. Um, I think dropping out was fundamentally a mistake, but it was a decision that Bernie was already headed toward for a while. Unlike the Biden campaign, which pressed for this race in Wisconsin to go on and falsely told people it was safe to vote in Illinois and Florida, Bernie had been telling people for a while now that it was a personal choice whether to risk voting in person, and he had directed all his get-out-the-vote calls to people who had absentee ballots and would not have to go to the polls. That's because Bernie's a fundamentally decent person. Alright, so both these moves and dropping out were definitely the right thing to do if Bernie wasn't going to fight to win. And Bernie has not run an ad drawing any contrast with Joe Biden since the week after Super Tuesday before the Michigan primary. So he wasn't running a real campaign anymore. I don't think you can honestly tell people to go to the polls and risk dying if you are not going to fight for fight to give them a credible chance of actually winning and fixing our country. And to be honest, this is my problem with the Bernie campaign over all this cycle. It didn't fight. As we will get into in something new, Bernie never seriously launched political attacks against Joe Biden that could plausibly stick. Bernie called Joe and Warren his friends. Bernie said that he thought that Joe Biden could win in a general election. Right. Yeah, and the primary was heavily focused on electability, and Bernie still said that. But even more vitally, Bernie didn't properly mobilize his massive youth support. The Sanders campaign pushed the Burn app, which they attempted to get uh, us all to reach out to our friends via text and phone calls with uh, to find out how our friends were voting and to help them turn out to vote. That was fine, but it wasn't particularly meaningful. A disproportionate share of Bernie's voters are young, those were definitely a disproportionate share of the Burn app users. So you're basically having people download an app, reach out to their fellow young people who all, who generally support Bernie, and uh, try to ask if they support Bernie and turn them out. I was fine with this. If it, it plausibly could have expanded turnout a little or helped with that. But when you literally have millions of enthusiastic young supporters, you don't want to have the major virtual um, app of your campaign focused on having them talk to each other in a, a circle that just goes back and forth, right? You don't want that to be the major focus of your campaign. You need to get those million and a half relatively young people out persuading people who are not already on board. Now, Sanders did have an app for that too, but they hamstrung it. The app was called Minivan. You could in a way, and I tried to use it on my own to canvas your neighborhood, but really to use it properly you needed a list number from a campaign staffer. And there were virtually no campaign staffers on the ground, at least in Michigan, where I live, um, until less than two weeks before the election. And even then, we are talking about a handful of staffers across the entire state. You had to go to a get out the vote uh, event to meet one of them. And then they gave you a list number. You entered that number in, and it gave you places to door knock and a simple script. So it wasn't nothing. I, with my family, did knock on about 150 doors in the two weekends and a week that we had before the election after we got those list numbers and a handful before on our own. Um, so that's not nothing. It's more than I'd ever knocked on for a single political campaign in the past. And I'm fairly sure that um, I helped persuade at least some people to vote for Bernie. Um, I think I also let some people who were Bernie-friendly know that there was even an election going on. 
but that's nothing to what I could have done in a few months. It got to the point where my mother and I, who went to a Bernie rally together, literally tried to start a minivan chant. Right, because we wanted some, we wanted people to know. Now it could be that the chant didn't take off because people didn't think when I say minivan, you say canvas, was all that clever. But they actually kind of just looked a little bit clueless. And from the people that we told around us in the crowd to try to seed the chant, I got the feeling that the reason the chant didn't work was because no one except the the handful of people we just told. Um, in the crowd knew what minivan was and the reason that people in a Bernie campaign event didn't know what minivan was was because the campaign wasn't pushing it they were saying go to the get out the vote event and then at the get out the vote event they were telling people about the minivan app but again there could only ever be a handful of get out the vote events with Bernie staffers um, because the Bernie staffers you know there were a limited number of them and people don't necessarily want to host an event at their house so they needed to make this the same app available through the internet for anyone to get a list number and to start going out to the whatever areas they needed to the most around them and talking to voters. There wasn't any reason that the Bernie campaign needed someone literally on the ground to provide the list number. If that was a task that could have been handled automatically, and it certainly could have been done by Bernie's vast network of people sending out text and phone calls remotely. If a small fraction of Bernie's more than one and a half million unique voters could have been persuaded to spend four hours a weekend knocking on doors starting in September or October, we could have easily knocked on every door in the country several times. We didn't need the campaign staffers to be wasted doing an unneeded task at the most important moment of the election. And the largest progressive mass movement in the history of the United States, and possibly in the history of the world, didn't need to go largely to waste. So that's my problem with the Bernie campaign. Because of that, there are four more years of Trump or Biden in front of us. So what do we do now? How should we vote in the general election? For me, Donald Trump is off the table. His racism, starting with the Central Park Five, continuing his birtherism, manifested by his unwillingness to oppose white supremacists, manifested through his presidency, um... It's been overwhelming. And his xenophobia regarding the Muslim travel ban and his obsession with the border wall, right? His statement that Mexican immigrants are, they're rapists, uh, they're drug dealers, and some, I assume, are good people, right? All of that has disqualified him for me a long time ago. And the massive tax cuts to the wealthy that he supported as president and pushed through uh, are no better. It's all of that takes voting for Trump off the table for me. So the question is really whether I vote for Biden or I throw my vote away. All right. So in making that decision, and it is a tough decision in some ways, I think that there are two models of, of vo- how you make a voting decision. One is utility maximization. The other is consent. So utility maximization is basically captured by the off-stated line, the lesser of two evils is still the lesser evil, right? Vote so we get the lesser harm. So, you could try to argue for Biden within this constraint, right? You could say, uh, voting for Biden will do more to prevent harm right now than voting third party because it will stop Trump from getting another term. 
and then some people will some people will claim, oh well, actually we can use this sort of utility maximization idea to justify voting third party. Uh, you know, if the Democrats always know that they can turn to the right for the general election and never face a cost, then they always will. If we really want power, is a um, then what we need to do is show them that we are willing to sit out. I don't think that that logic holds up. I think that fundamentally it does. A voting for the lesser of two evils does still get us less evil potentially. Um, I think it's this idea that we can um, we can maybe force um, Biden not to turn to the center by um, showing him that we're willing to vote against him. I don't think that works, uh, and that's because if a politician wants to pivot to the center right now, but is held back from doing so by the fear of voters not turning up, then the second that they have voted and the leverage is gone, the candidate will proceed with the pivot. And that's because the candidates aren't actually turning to the center to get voters. They're turning to the center to get donors. If you're turning to the center to get voters, you can't do anything once the election's ended. Right? Because you... You only turn your only reason for going to the center is to get people's votes on election day. So keeping turning to the center after that doesn't help. But these candidates, Joe Biden isn't going to want to turn to the center because he thinks that's where the votes are. He's going to want to turn to the center because he thinks that's where the donations were. And once he's president, he can keep right on collecting donations for the next cycle. So I just don't think that that, that works as a, as a logic um, for voting a third party, that it's actually going to somehow keep Biden in check and stop him from pivoting to the center. All right. But I do think that there is a model that justifies uh, voting third party or not voting, uh, and that's the model of consent. So here's a clip of AOC talking about this model. Because non-voters, it's not because they're uneducated. It's not because they're apathetic. It's because a lot of people don't want to be consent, don't want to consent to be governed by nonsense. And that's why they don't participate in our system. All right. So that was AOC talking about non-voters, but it holds up for those considering voting third party or those um, considering voting and leaving the presidential line blank. Um... So she says, do we want to consent to be governed by nonsense? I think I actually probably would be willing to be consent to be governed by nonsense, so I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. But do you consent to let Joe Biden use your hatred and fear of the Republicans as political cover which lets him, alongside the Republicans, support killing Wisconsinites by making them vote in election for his political advantage, and then acting holier than thou the second that they've all voted, and saying the election shouldn't have happened? after he partook in the human sacrifice. Do you consent to be governed by Joe Biden, who says Medicare for all wouldn't help um, during the coronavirus when 16 million plus people have been fired and because of our inhumane system tying health insurance to employment have no health insurance in the middle of the worst pandemic in 100 years? Can that crime against humanity by ju be justified by the fact that Trump won't, open, won't even open up the Obamacare health insurance exchanges? Can it? What about the fact that Joe Biden has still not said one word in support of a universal basic income where Americans could get some money to live on while they're unable to go out and get work 
and those who are working minimum wage jobs in grocery stores and as nurses in hospitals could get some money that functioned as hazard pay. Can I really consent to that? I cannot. So here are my terms for Joe Biden. I want to vote for you as the lesser of two evils, but I can never consent to voting for a president who would deny free health care to those who can't find a job in this pandemic. I can never consent to someone who will not support a UBI to give essential workers hazard pay in this crisis and to give everyone else compensation for the fact that they can't go out to work. Pick one or the other. Medicare for all or universal basic income of at least $1,000 a month. Pass it on a temporary basis to last at least until the unemployment rate drops back to below 6%. Demand that Nancy Pelosi pass this through the House. If one of these two bills is passed through the House by November, I'll deem you, for all your flaws, someone who I can consent to be governed by. And then I will vote for you as the lesser of two evils. Pass both and I'll consider voting for you on the grounds that I think that you might actually be able to do some good. Alright, but I have no illusions here. If Joe Biden doesn't live up to my terms, I may vote third party. Um, Or I may simply not vote on the presidential line. Voting third party, I already know that I'm voting, throwing my vote away. Right? Voting third party, uh, at least as the third parties currently exist, is not about this election. It's about whether I think that the party being incrementally stronger um, leading into the next election gives it a credible chance of actually becoming a majority party in the future, which will be a force for good. Therefore, I have two fairly high standards for a third-party candidate. First, they have to be a good person. That means they can't be like Jill Stein and cozy up to anti-vaxxers or suggest that 9-11 might have been a conspiracy theory. Right? The party... The second condition. The party also has to show some promise of actually being able to take over the country in the future. That means they have to focus on ideas like UBI and Medicare for All, which are majority positions. They have to focus on these majority positions that I think more than 50% of the country supports. If they're unwilling to do that, then I don't want to support them. Because they'll just be crowding out the space for a credible third-party candidate in the future. I don't know yet if the Green Party or any other third party will pick a candidate who meets those standards yet. But in the event that they don't, I will still be going to the polls. Listen to Michael Moore explain this other alternative. There were 90,000 people in Michigan, almost 90,000, who went to the polls, mostly Democrats, and very large numbers of them in Detroit, Flint, Pontiac, Saginaw. These are all black cities, majority black. They stood in line in the cold for two to three hours to vote. They went in there and they voted for state rep, state senate, county commission. We don't have dog catcher. Uh, We have drain commissioner, the person in charge of the sewage. That's the lowest uh, name on the ballot. they stood there. They voted for the Democrats all down ballot and left the top box blank. 90,000. She only lost Michigan by 10, 11,000 votes. 90,000 wanted to send a message to the Democratic Party. You forgot us a long time ago out here. And we will not put up with this anymore. We're not going to vote for Trump. But we're not going to we're not going to tolerate you sending us another Republican light Democrat. If we go that route, if we go that route, it's guaranteed we will lose the Electoral College. We will win when we put somebody on that ballot that excites the base. Okay, so if Joe Biden doesn't meet my terms and support a UBI or a Medicare for all in order to be worthy of my consent to be governed, I am going to go to the polls. 
I'm going to go vote for the down ballot races for any ballot petitions. And then when I get to my House representative and my senator, I'm going to evaluate them the same way that I'll evaluate Joe. Have they given their full-throated endorsement to either a UBI or a Medicare for All for the duration of the crisis? If they have, I'll vote for them. If not, I will leave the space blank. But with Joe, I'm not going to accept platitudes. If Joe wants my vote, he must use his political capital and force Nancy Pelosi to push a bill and pass a bill guaranteeing either UBI or Medicare for All through the end of this crisis. They have to pass that bill by November. They have to pass it through the House, so I'm not asking them to get it passed through the Senate. I imagine there'd be a lot of political pressure for the Senate to pass such a bill. Um, But I don't really think that it would pass. So I'm not asking them to be responsible for Republicans. I'm asking him to force a bill through the Democratic House. If he does that, I'll trust he can also force it through the Democratic Senate and, and that he can sign it into law as president, or at least that he can try. But if he doesn't do that, I will not consent to be governed by him. So I'll either be voting third party, or I would be joining Michael Moore's 90,000 voters in Michigan who left the presidential line blank. All right, thank you. We'll be right back with something new. <laughs> 